Daily Torah study is essential to living a meaningful Jewish life. Whatever your background or level of observance, Torah study each day engages the mind, enriches the soul, connects us to God, and gives our lives direction and meaning. But to be honest, most of us need a framework. As much as we'd love to learn every day, left to our own devices, life inevitably gets in the way. Our good intentions fall by the wayside. Hi, this is Ruvain Spolter, and I invite you to come join me in the free daily learning program you've been looking for. I call it the Mishnah Project. I created the Mishnah Project to teach daily Mishnah over YouTube. Why choose Mishnah for your daily learning? First of all, Mishnah is manageable and concise. You can learn two Mishnayot in about 10 minutes a day. The Mishnah Project is understandable and clear. You'll not only be hearing the Mishnah, but seeing the text and visual aids to help you understand the Mishnah clearly. Finally, the Mishnah Project is comprehensive. Studying just two Mishnayot a day, you'll finish the entire Shas in under six years. To join the Mishnah Project for free, simply go to mishnah.co slash join, where you'll find links to the WhatsApp group, the Telegram group, our YouTube channel, and even our podcast feed. That's mishnah with an H dot C-O slash join. And start your journey toward completing Shas today. everybody, and welcome to another edition of RZ Weekly, our weekly podcast about religious Zionism, modern orthodoxy, and the Israeli-Jewish community. My name is Ruvain Spolter. I am the director of Kita.org, an online uh, learning initiative, and the Mission Project, which you might have just heard our ad for. I'm not sure which one I put in. Uh, um, we're here with Harav Johnny Solomon. Harav Johnny Solomon is an educator, a teacher, a writer, an editor, and also the head of the virtual Beit Midrash. Correct. Johnny, is there still time to book a consulting session before Pesach? If you want to book a halachic consultation, spiritual coaching, or one-to-one learning session with me, feel free to visit my website. Thank you. We're here with Mali Bravsky. Rabbi Mali Bravsky is the head of the Shanabet program. She's the madricha of the Shanabet program no, in MMY. Mechanechet, I'm learning, right? director. Mechanechet. Oh, sorry. Mechanechet. I'm almost learning. Okay. <laughs> She's also a licensed social worker. And starting in next month, I realized, <laughs> after Pesach, Molly's going to be giving a podcast for over Ortara Stone, uh, I, I'm, I'm happy to announce Molly's also starting the Megan Markle Outrage podcast. That Look for that on your podcast feed. That'll be coming out very, very if soon. There, if there's a request Molly? for that, I will happily do it. Okay. Today we're going to talk about, we actually mentioned that we were going to talk, I told you I would bait her. Oh, and we're also here, very, very honored to have uh, a very, very good friend of mine who happens to also be married to one of my esteemed colleagues, Rav David Bravsky. Uh, Rav Bravsky is a, he's a Ram at, um, at um, Midrash at Lindenbaum in Yerushalayim, teaches in other places as well. He's a noted author of um, a number of books on Halakha, Hechot Bishul, uh, Hechot Avelut, and a forthcoming book on Hechot Gerut, correct? The, well, now, no. yes. Okay, good. Moadim Tfilah Avelut. I got Avilut, correct, okay, and soon coming book on Geirut, because he already wrote the book, he just to put it together, correct? We'll see, I'm pretty we'll right. see. Okay, and Rabrowski, for our purposes, is also a Dayan 
on the Batei Din L'Giyurah of Giyurka Halacha. And the reason we asked Rabbi Bravsky to join us today is because uh, in light of the Supreme Court's decision, Israeli Supreme Court's decision, uh, to recognize for the purposes of the Chok HaShvut, the law of return, conversions that were performed by the liberal, by the non-Orthodox community, by the Reform and conservative community in Israel today. Meaning, and I'm just going to set the, set the record straight, so meaning if a Reform Jew, a Reform rabbi in Sarasota, Florida, performs a conversion and then writes a letter attesting to that that, that person is Jewish, that, per, that person was always recognized according to Israel's law of return. But if a Reform rabbi, not in Sarasota, Florida, but in Sderot, performed a conversion, that conversion was not recognized for the purposes of the Chok HaShvut, so the person could make Aliyah. Now the law has changed, and that convert is, is now recognized for the purposes of Chok HaShvut. Neither of those converts, and I can tell you this firsthand, is recognized by Israel's chief rabbinate to be able to marry in Israel. Neither of those converts is recognized, neither of those converts could marry in the state of Israel legally. Now, Rab Bravsky, we asked Rab David, Rab David, Rab David, my good friend, okay, to, uh, to join us to talk to us about the situation in Israel regarding Giyur today, and, and specifically about the differences between the different Batei Din that are available to a person. So, well, let's start with this. Did the Supreme Court's uh, decision, David, affect Giyur Kahalacha? Meaning, does it now mean that Giyur Kahalacha is also recognized? Any conversion performed in Israel is recognized? Or just reform and conservative? Let's start with that. Okay, the truth is, uh, I'll answer the question, but I think really we should start with maybe the general conversion issue. But regarding the question, the truth is that um, there already was a Supreme Court ruling that Orthodox conversions performed in Israel are recognized for Aliyah for Shavuot. However, um, the only Beitin um, that actually has, has succeeded in, in actually doing it and, and receiving recognition is the Beitin of Rev Koreletz, who passed away in B'nai Brak. Meaning uh, people from outside of Israel come to Israel, they convert in the Beitin of Rev Koreletz, they can petition the court to become recognized for Aliyah. Uh, there was another court that also petitioned the Supreme Court, the Beitin of Rev Frank in Meir Sharim. To the best of my knowledge, um, only the Beitin of, of Karelitz, uh has done it so far. But theoretically... Karelitz's is Giyurim, their conversions are automatically recognized? They're, or every they're sort of like, a, there's a fast track. Yeah, they're succeeding. Um, uh, but not, but not Giyur Kahalacha. Right. Theoretically, Giyur Kahalacha, or let's say the Rev Rosen, you know, um, former Rev Rosen, Beitin, or of Pearl and Alon Shvut, can also submit to be recognized. Uh, I don't think anyone has done that yet. It's a complicated okay. process. So let's, let's take a step back. I am a non-Jew who loves the Jewish people. And in my naivete, I decided to move to Israel, join a kibbutz, and now I want to convert to become Jewish because, of course, now that I'm here, I realize the beauty of the Jewish religion. And I'm searching around and I'm trying to figure out what should I do? So what should I do? What is the landscape that is available in front of me? And what are the challenges or complications or advantages of, each, of the various choices that are available to me? Okay. Um, is that a good good way of asking the question? It, it is, but can I take a minute to like broaden 100%. it a little bit and give, give the background? Because I think it's important to sort of present what's going on in general and then to sort of focus in on, on your specific question. Let's talk about what's going on in uh, the year 2021. There are currently in the state of Israel 407,700 um, Israelis 
that are categorized by the Misrata Panim, by the Ministry of Interior, as Chasrei Dat. That means, just to, let's put it out there, there are 6 million Jews approximately in the state of Israel, um, and there are 400,000, 407,000, that are identify as Jewish and they go to Jewish schools and they serve in the army and I mean, not Arab, not Christian, not but... Arab, not Christian, not Druze, not whatever. Um, meaning they're, they're basically from our, you see them and you think that they're Jewish. Over 400,000 are, are chasrei dat. Some of them may, may be Jewish. You know what I'm saying? They would come to Sohar and ask to do what's called a Beiruri Hadut, which you have experience with. But uh, a lot of them will never be able to prove it. And most of them probably aren't halakhically Jewish. Just to give you a 5.68% just to give you how many of them. That means that when our children go to the army and they come home with a, a fine young man, a fine young woman from the army, there's a, a 5.68% chance that the person they bring home is, is, is not halakhically Jewish. That's yeah, and most of these are, are from, not, are, is it, would it be correct to say most of these are from Eastern European or great, Russian descent? Great question. So first of all, how, how, how did this happen? I'm sorry, I'm putting my earphone back in. How, uh-huh. how did this happen? So uh, on, on one level, that's just, the, the state of world Jewry, and you know this through your work through Sohar, that if you have intermarriage in, in, in throughout the Jewish world of hovering between 40 to 70 or 80 percent, depending on the country and the region, then, then you know, the, the outside the Orthodox world, a significant percentage of Jewish communities are not halachically Jewish. And of course, you see them as they apply for Aliyah and ask to, to be married, etc. through Sohar. Um, and this is true in New York, and this is true in, 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 in London, this is true all over the world. Uh, we just, in Orthodox communities, we may not see it, but when you go to university and when you go to um, birthright, what percentage of birthright participants are halakhically Jewish? It's a Ooh. fine question. They don't well, want to ask that question. We don't want they to don't go want. there, exactly. So, of course, this is also true in the state of Israel, meaning... Well, I would say it's different because in America, we've are, in America, at least, I don't know, Johnny will tell us, like in England, in America, we've been living through decades and decades of non-Orthodox conversions. Whereas in Israel, that has not been the case. You're 100%, Meaning in America, right. like intermarriage has been, it was, it was taboo for a while, but at least for the past decade, it's no longer been taboo. It's been encouraged 10, 20 years. For it's, sure. It, you know, so in, in America, you have two things. You have people who are just the children of intermarriages who the mother isn't Jewish, or the mother was a reformer conservative convert. Well, let's categorize. Mother is not halakhically, halakhically Jewish. Jewish. I'm, I'm halakhically Jewish. Jewish. I, I agree with right. you 100%. So yeah. um, when you come to the state of Israel, so first of all, the state of Israel is, a, is an aliyah state comprised of people who moved to the state of Israel. And, you know, we, we are of the age that in the, in the, in the 80s, let's say late 80s, uh, we, we went to rally for the release of uh, Soviet uh, Jewry from behind the Iron Curtain. And of course, if they were locked up there for, for 50 years without religion, then, I, you know, we knew at the time, we just never thought about it, that a significant percentage of them had intermarried and assimilated. And when Baruch Hashem, you know, everything opened up and, and Kibbutz Galiot began happening and they came to Israel, well, a significant percentage of them are not halachically Jewish. Is there also a percentage that sort of caught a tremp, you know what I'm saying, and came as well? There is a percentage like that. But, but beyond that, there are many people whose grandparents or great-grandparents, you know, were, were, were in the Shoah, but they, they themselves are not halachically Jewish. And, um, and they're now in Israel. And you don't, you don't see them. You don't know who they are because they're, they're our fellow Jewish Israelis. They're just not halakhically Jewish. That's the current reality. Um, and uh, we, have to, uh, we have to face that reality. And maybe I'll say a few more sentences. So it's really interesting that you... I, I'm talking about conversion. I didn't ask you about the status of Jews or non-Jews in Israel. You immediately went there. Because that... What, that, what, what connection is there between that, that, that and that's, conversion? That's who's converting, meaning Jew, Jew, who, who's... Who, 
who's coming to convert? Meaning, so you started the discussion with foreigners who are coming to convert, which I'm happy to talk about in a minute, which is really the, the topic of the Supreme Court ruling. The main issue in Israel, because foreigners coming to convert are a few dozen a year, the main issue in Israel are, are the, these hundreds of thousands of, of, of Israelis who identify as Jewish, and they can't marry here, and they, they, they're, they're not they're not halachically Jewish. Um, and, well, and, I, I understand all that, but that's not relevant to the Supreme Court's decision. All of those people are Israelis. I mean, the Supreme Court's decision it doesn't it, affect it, them exactly. in any way at I, all. I agree with you. So I'm saying that, that I want to put that on the table because that's sort of one large issue. And let's say within Gir Kalacha, we're working primarily with that population. One so, second. Okay, Johnny, you wanted to ask a question. Johnny, you wanted to say something. Well, first and foremost, though Rabbi Brofsky has framed this as being the reality for 2021, uh, as he explained, and rightly so, this status quo has been as such for the past 30 years. Um, and a, a number of people who've discussed this ruling of the Supreme Court have said, this isn't just uh, happening that nobody expected. This has been something that's been developing uh, for over 15 years. So can you just talk to both what you described in terms of that sizable number of non-Halachic Jews who are current residents and citizens of Israel, of which... Uh, having a reform or conservative conversion in Israel will be acknowledged in some measure, although they don't need the law of return. They're already um, citizens of the state of Israel. What's happened over the last 30 years in terms of trends in conversion and in terms of pressures of non-Orthodox conversion? I'd say that, you know, again, sticking for now to the Israeli population, I, I know that Ruby wants yeah. to also talk about the... Latino. No, no, that, okay, I, I, re, I would cheerfully withdraw my question. No, and we'll I, just ask an yeah. Israeli, you, you framed it very well. Let's go back and say, uh, I'm an Israeli who is not Jewish. Halakhically Jewish. Uh, not, thank you, oh, not halakhically <laughs> Jewish. And I'm aware of this. Right. I know about this. I think of myself as Jewish. I don't think of myself as different. But, okay, like, you know, what... Why in the world would I like? When would conversion come up? I know I'm not recognized as Jewish in the in the Misrat Apnim, neither in the Misrat Apnim. My status is, you know, not neither or whatever. Okay, and I want to become Jewish. I want I want to change that. So how what 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 would I do? How would I do that? How do I even start? Who do I call? One eight hundred convert. You know, <laughs> like what do I do? Uh, like, like for us, it's like totally foreign to us. So that, right. You know, that's a very interesting question. So, so first of all, um, you know, a number of them do do wish to convert. First of all, some of them don't even know they're not halachically Jewish until they show up to register to marry, and and, and they're told, well, what, you can't marry. You're not Jewish, or or their parents sit them down on their 18th birthday and say, you should just know you're not really halachically Jewish. Um, but Israel's a traditional society. The truth is, it's also a much different society than it was in the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s and maybe part of the 90s. And, um, and they know, and they, they, they want to get married. First of all, they want to complete their identity. Do you know what I'm saying? At a certain point, they realize their identity isn't complete, and they want to cross the T, and they want to be a recognized Jew. Or they, or they, they get married, and, and, and uh, they realize that not only do they want a halachic ceremony, but... Um, you know, they're marrying traditional people, uh, another traditional spouse, and uh, the expectation is that they're Jewish. Um, let, me, let me ask actually the easiest question. Yeah. Like, like, you know, every rabbi's dream. Some kid is in Tichon Dati, his parents at 18 sit him down, he's about to, or he goes to yeshiva, he's in, I don't know, alone Shavut, and his parents sit him down and say, uh, Micha, we just want you to know that your mother was never officially converted. 
And he, he's a from kid, he's Shomer, everything, and he wants to convert in Israel today. Is that easy for him to do or it's hard for him to do? Listen, in, in that case specifically, the easy, so the easiest path is the army. Maybe I'll open with this. Yeah. In, in Israel, we have um, officially, you know, under the auspices of the government, there's a minhal giur, and there are two paths to conversion. One is in the army, which means that it used to be, though, that they changed it uh, a year or two ago, that you would uh, receive a letter uh, as you were drafted or at some point that says, hi, our records indicate that you're not halakhically Jewish. But we have an awesome conversion program at which we recommend joining. Uh, that's sort of a one, uh, one option. That's called Nativ, correct? That's, they're both called Nativ, but there's Nativ in the army. Now you have to remember, with, within the three years that you're in the army, you have to register for the program and you have to do the different parts of the program and show up to the Bate Din a few times and hope that you pass by the end of the... Uh, of the of the path and just to give you numbers you I said, wait that stopped you said that stopped i didn't I, know that, that i stopped. believe that they stopped sending letters to people saying uh we know uh, that you're because oh, people compl <laughs> people complained that they were reaching out to them that was like religious conversion exactly exactly like but it's still available um, it is still for sure it's still available there are wonderful people working there both in the ulpane giur and uh, among the dainim um just to give you a sense in 2019 um uh, 679 soldiers converted in the program. Um, 679. But by the way, which was a Yerida, which is a drop of 24% from the year before. I don't want to talk about why numbers are dropping, but numbers are dropping. But that's one avenue. So your 18-year-old, uh, um, the, the advice that they should get is you're going to the army, do Nativ, try to convert there. Because but I'm already you... religious. I'm Shomer Shabbat. I know everything. So then it'll be easier, hopefully. Meaning uh, it could be, or... But there's no such thing like in America, we would take that kid to the mikvah and say, okay, Micha, welcome to the Jewish people, Shalom Yisrael. 100%, and the truth is I had a case like that uh, a week or two ago. Um, listen, Wait, 100% yes or 100% no? I, 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 I agree with you. I, I don't, meaning it, it could be that this person could reach out to the second avenue of Giyor, of conversion in the state of Israel, which is Ezrachi, which is civilian conversion. There's a civilian conversion authority, also called Nativ, you call them up, you set up an appointment. I'm sorry to interrupt. Both of those are through the Rabbanut? Both, Both of them are, they're not technically Israel. under the auspices of the Rabbanut, but yes, let's call them the Rabbanut for, for all intents and purposes. Um, because I'm just interrupting, because like most people assume that the way you convert is that you go to the Rabbanu, and you yes, haven't the, even mentioned that yet at the, all. These are, we're going to call both. <laughs> no, I'm raising yeah, that. No, you're, you're I'm right. just afraid. I'm totally like, you're, you're being as clear as you can be, but I'm afraid somebody listening is like already lost. So, exactly. we're, so, we're gonna call, so <laughs> right. let, let's say let's say similar. There are two ways to convert through the Rabbanut, okay? Which means that you'll be recognized by the state of Israel and you'll be recognized by the Rabbanut. One is in the army. The other is a civilian conversion program. Um and, uh, and you could meet with them. And, uh, you know, if you're already religious, it could be they'll decide, yalla, let's go to the mikvah, let's do a, a brit milah if we need, I don't know, if you don't need, whatever, and, and yalla. You know what I'm saying? They could have cases with that. Obviously, that's not your standard case. Um, right. Just thought one more sentence. Uh, in terms of how many numbers of people, or, or they'll set up a program for you, go to an ulpan giur and mishpacha milava and etc. And in terms of numbers, if, if you're interested, how many people pass through there per year. This is, the uh, this is the official way. This is the this official. Is all official. I've this only is... been telling you official. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Wait, so the, 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 the soldiers and the people in the civilian go to the same Batei Din, the same court? They're, they're technically, they're, they're different uh, Dayanim on them, but they're, they're both Rabbanut and they're both recognized by the Rabbanut in the state of Israel. Yes. Okay. Um, remember, Rab that's, oh, that's the only Rabbanut Beit Din there is. It's all like through the... Through civilian and the army, yes. Um, those are the two recognized ones. Um, and uh, they have their difficulties, which we could talk about, but those are the two official avenues of, of Giyur in the state of Israel. 
Okay, so now like, I'll, I'll get to politics for a second. When everybody heard the Chaber Knesset from, from Aguda Israel or wherever he was, Chaber Knesset Pindris called the convert a shiksa, what was he talking about? He was Either of those? He was basically saying that someone who converted through the Rabbanut Bateidin of the army... He, of the he, army. He was talking about the army. The army, because he said, I think, a chayelet, I he think did. he used that word. He did. He's not recognizing their conversions. Because... Because he just doesn't recognize. He thinks that they're not serious. He thinks, I think he had a, a comment about the Dayanim. He thought they had ulterior motives. Um, just doesn't believe in it. Now, if you remember a few years ago, Ravavad Yosef, right before he passed away, was sort of brought in to rule on the issue. And he sort of issued a ruling where he uh, affirmed the validity of the conversions that are done um, by the army. Uh, hmm. But um, it's also a very shocking statement. I just want to say shocking, because yeah. <laughs> if you decide that that a orthodox conversion isn't really a valid conversion, that's halakhically a very dramatic thing to say. So let's now now you're saying that this woman. Uh, I'll call it wicked. I'm not it's, afraid. Besides yeah. wicked, it is wicked. Johnny, wicked. you're gonna have to cut in because there's four yeah. of us today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. go ahead, but, Johnny. Wait, wait, I, just, I just want to explain why it's not just wicked, but this person is setting themselves up as a halakhic authority. But they're saying that this person, they don't consider them a Jew. They can light a, a fire on Shabbos. They can, I don't know, do all kinds of things. But they were actually halakhically converted. So you as a halakhic person are now kind of giving permission for somebody who's Perhaps Jewish to to do th- to to be over on halacha like from your own perspective as a halachic person that's a very shocking thing to say. Well, the problem, Ali, is you're saying that was a personal position of his. I think he was speaking as the politically elected representative I'm of a group saying, of people. I'm just saying it's it's such but, a it's such yeah, Johnny, a besides kidding. being yeah, wicked and evil, Johnny. it's also like you're sounding so from you're actually very halachically makel in saying something well, so, like that. So before we go on, I think I think the word halachically and halacha needs to be uh, clarified here. Um, and I personally have gone to the, the offices of the, the um, civil, non-army uh, offices of Giyor, accompanying a student of mine who had a private conversion in Israel, which wasn't recognized for her law of return, but she was Torah observant, and she had to apply uh, to see whether she could have, shall we say, a fast-track conversion, a bit like the case that you described. But the reason I, I want to cut in in terms of the word of halacha is there's a difference between halachic conversion and official halachic conversion. So this young woman that I'm talking of, she, according to all people that's sitting in that room, and I was there and, and somebody behind the desk was making really important decisions about the fate of a person. So he said, listen, you're halachically Jewish, but you're not officially halachically Jewish because I don't recognize the people who converted you. So to get the law of return, you need to be officially halachically Jewish. And I, the reason I'm being pedantic about this is super important. Uh, but there is a, a great tension between halacha, meaning somebody who goes through a gil process, official halacha, somebody who goes through official gil process recognized by the state, and chok uh, that that is um, the right of return that recognizes Jewishness culturally, not halachically. So famously in the 1960s, you had the case of Brother Daniel, who was halachically Jewish, but not was not recognized as Jewish by the law of return. You can also have a young woman, such a, or a young man for that matter, maybe not so young, who is considered to be halachically Jewish, but that Jewishness is also not recognized by state for Chokashvut. And then you have the question which we're discussing now, 
of how could it be that somebody is so dismissive of somebody who's officially halachically Jewish, who's gone through these systems and then be told that they are not but Jewish. And part and parcel of this is a historic Jewish thing. Because they're and but, officially halachically Jewish. It's offensive on both levels in this, in this no, case. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not disputing the offense. Absolutely. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. <laughs> the fact that the offense is <laughs> are, not because all of us are she's even offensive. official. What's offensive is, 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 is I think, it's like an offense, Al-Gabay an offense, right? But the, but the primary right, but offense... Listen, I, again, I've sat in a room where suddenly been told, I, I know you're halakhic Jewish, but I don't see you as a Jew from the place where I'm sitting about a meter away from you behind this desk because my job is only to look at people who've gone through Correct. these particular things. And, and the reason why this is important is there is an inherent tension between the law of return, which judges Jewishness culturally, not halakhically, and the way the law of return then measures Jewishness in terms of halakha in certain ways and not others. And the way halakhic Jews, who may not have been officially halakhically Jewish, are, are not recognized. And so this is a big mess. And uh, I'm, I'm even lost, and I know this important. really well. It's a okay. terrible mess. Okay, we're going to come back to Rabbi Bravsky. Yeah, I just want to yeah, we have to come back a second. We have to come back to Rabbi Bravsky. <laughs> we're going to come back to this term of halakhically Jewish right after this. Shalom, this is Rav Johnny Solomon, and I would like to tell you about the services that I provide to men and women around the world. Firstly, if you have a she'ilah, a halachic query or a halachic topic you would like to learn more about as it applies to your life, and you feel that you don't have a Rav with whom you can discuss this question, I offer online halachic consultations. Secondly, if you have some theological or spiritual query, or if you're in need of some chizuk, I provide spiritual coaching. And lastly, if you'd like to learn about a particular Torah topic, I offer one-to-one -one learning. For each of these services, you can book an appointment for a small fee at my website, rabbijohnnysolomon.com, which seamlessly, with the magic of Calendly, then appears in my online calendar. And within a few minutes, you'll receive a message with a Zoom link. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking with you. And we're back. So, uh, Rev. David, yeah. I would like to. I, would, I just want to sort of round out the issue because we talk about we spoke about like the official recognized conversion path, which is either in the army or the regular civilian rabbinut path. And of course, over all the years, there's there's have always been what you might call private bate din. Not private in the sense that they're making money, although maybe some of them are. But uh, sort of not. I can tell you, I know in Chuzlarets, many of them are making. Of money. course, okay. that's of course that's true. Um, and uh, most of them primarily function in the Haredi world. The Eda Haredis has one, and the Rav Karelitz has one, and they're all over the Haredi world. Um, and of course, in recent years, it's not our topic, but you know, Gir Kalacha also set up their own sort of, um, you know, called chain or whatever of, of Bate Din. Uh, for various reasons, they felt they needed to step in and, and offer the service. But I think, I, I think it's important to say a little bit about that. I know you don't want to talk much about it, but just to explain. I'm happy to talk about it. But, I, I, uh, no, no, we're going to come back sentence, to it. Okay. We're going to come back to it. Just, so just, don't filibuster too much. Yeah, no, but just Because we were on, we, we had the Nativ programs. What well, we have, so now until now, I, I don't know anything. Okay, I know I can do the Nativ programs. Great, I, I want to do the Nativ program. Why wouldn't I do that? Wait, but can okay, I I'm not in the army. I'll go to the Sorry, civilian. I just want to say one thing, Ruby, because I think it is important yeah. in terms of the framing, which is because it, it is relevant here, which is there, that the problem of Giyur is that they're meaning there's a problem with the Rabbanut. Let's just call it as it is, right? Which is that 
again, I'll leave it to David if he wants to talk about how. I, I, I was about to exact, actually exact, exactly that question. I and have Nativ in front of me. I, I'm not in the really army. The need of people, right, who want to be as as Johnny would call them. What did you call them? Halachically Jewish, but not officially. Right? They want to be halachically Jewish so badly that they don't even care if they are officially or not. Which is a different question of whether they can be officially or not through Giyur Kalacha. But they want to be halachically Jewish so badly that they will turn to um, Giyur Kalacha to help them become halachically Jewish, and that's very, very, very important. Right, to explain what, why they, what need they're serving within the Israeli population. Okay, agreed, which is why I want to ask that question. I'll ask the question again, David. I, I, I have in front of me, I didn't do the army, or I'm a civilian, I missed in the army, I don't want to do whatever. Why, why not just go to Nativ? Okay, I'm going to Nativ. So first of all, definitely try, meaning uh, definitely try. In the end of the day, if you succeed, you'll have fewer problems in life, possibly. But there are a number of reasons why the feeling is, is that despite, you know, goodwill among numerous Upanegi or Dayanim, they're not fully meeting the need. And, and some of these may Wait, be Stop due... for a second. Upanegi yeah. and Dayanim. Explain. Meaning uh, if you sign up for a conversion program in Nativ, so first of all, they'll send you to Limudim to, to study, um, to a study program. So and there are private programs that they'll set me up or I have to set myself up with a it's program? Covered. It's all covered by the government. Okay, so the I government. Say I, they'll set me up with a program where yeah. I where I live. I live in Tel Aviv. They'll say, okay, you can go to XYZ, go to this program. Exactly. Okay, and then you have to go to this court. Are they connected, the court and the program? They, they know, are connected. connected. Usually your teacher in the court will accompany you. I'm sorry, in the Ulpan, in the learning program, will accompany you to the Beitin. Um, so they're, they're not connected, meaning, but they're, they're under the same umbrella, we'll put it that they way. They know each other, and they're familiar yeah, with each exactly. other. exactly. They're familiar with each other, and there's a curriculum, and, uh, and all is wonderful. Sounds uh, good. Yeah, sounds great. It, it, What's sounds, it sounds great, and uh, great. Halavat, go for it. Um, but uh, <laughs> why, why are people, you know, what, what's the, why are people having difficulty? So I'll mention a few issues, meaning one issue uh, it could be bureaucracy. Do you know what I'm saying? Now, you know from the world of Tzohar marriages that, uh, that you'll claim that you know, it's not that Sohar is offering a service which is less halachic or whatever, but there's no comparison between the service and the yachas that one gets from the office of Sohar and having a chagit or whoever, you know, speaking to you and, 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 and not being able to sleep at night until they could figure out how they're going to make sure that you get married in the proper time and the whatever. And an office that doesn't really care, there's just a pakid, as uh, Johnny said, behind a desk. And that's certainly one, one issue. The other issue, some of them are, 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 are halachic, meaning what are they expecting of you in terms of the amount of study they're, uh, studies they're expecting of you, the amount of time it takes, how much do they take into account your stage in life, do you know what I'm saying? If you're a young couple, young couple, you're in your late 20s, early 30s, meaning it's time to get married and raise a family. How long is this going to take? Um, are they inviting your, your boyfriend or girlfriend to studies as well? What are they expecting from you? Are they expecting you to be yeshivish, do you know what I'm saying? Are they expecting you to, um, what, what are the expectations from you? Are they expecting you to be religious? Um, I, they, they're certainly expecting for you to commit to Shmirat HaMitzvot. Is that uh, realistic for the community that you just described to me at the beginning of, the, of our discussion? I'm, is, I'm asking you, is that reasonable? Is, is, that what, is that when people enter, when a person of Russian descent says, I want to I be 100%, I want to be a halachic Jew, I want to be an official Jew, so, are so, they thinking, and therefore I'm committing to be, I want to be a religious Jew? So I will say as follows, there, there are those who definitely, through a successful program of learning, it's what we used to call kiruv, you know what I'm saying, will, will, will become religious and become fully, you know, fully observant. 
There are those who will, will, will lie to just wear the right clothing and they'll take down their Facebook pages and uh, they'll hope that they can lie for long enough to get through the system. Um, and there are those who are what you might call traditional. Um, it could be the world, you know, the Western world, or maybe certainly in America, we're less familiar with this, certainly in the year 2021. But, um, you know, I like to say Israel has a, a secret weapon. We call them Svardim. Uh, why do I say they're like the secret weapon? Because we have, first of all, in general, the state of Israel is rather traditional chavra, and uh, the Sephardic population even more so is more traditional. Therefore, you could have, I'll just give you a random example, you know, like a, like a young woman with a Sephardic boyfriend. And from his perspective, like, I'm, tr- I'm Missorati, my house is kosher, we don't light fire on Shabbat, we make Kiddush on Shabbat, I, I go to, you know, I go to my parents for their Shabbat meal, and you, you know what I'm saying, where it's a much more traditional uh, lifestyle. How far can you pull them? Do you know what I'm saying? Will you get them to say, uh, after every time they drink water? I don't know. Listen, that would be wonderful. Uh, but the question is, what is the expectation? And at what point um, are the courts or the Dayanim expecting too much? And, uh, and uh, I'll, I'll just give you a statistic. Um, in terms of the amount of... Um, second, I have it written... Uh, only 30% of those who register for the conversion program, the civilian one in Israel, actually finish the process. Only is that 30... good or bad in your? Is that good or bad in your? Okay, mind? so that, that you're raising another interesting. So I, I want to let, let, let me just come back for. I'll tell you yeah. why. I, I came. I spent a decade in the rabbinate in rabbinate in America, and John, you can tell me what this is like. In in, in England, it's different because there's an official rabbinate, but in America, right. like especially when I was a rabbi, the rabbinate was going through a process of I would call it. Um, Officialization. I don't even know what the process would be called of homogenization and official the, the official recognition of the rabbinic courts of the centralization. Mostly. Centralization. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Meaning somebody they all came together and said like it's the wild west out there. We have to create some kind of standard. We have to. We have to because and in that process the the but they didn't became much more stringent about about. Ad- adhering to halakha and requiring adherence to halakha and who they would accept as candidates for conversion. And so it sounds like is- Israel sort of followed that same path in a sense, that as rabbis around the world became more strict, or maybe Israel, I don't know, like we could say Israel precipitated it, but as the world became more meticulous about shibirat ha-mitzvot, it also became more meticulous that the gerim should be the same way as well. And that when you come to Israel to make that demand has tremendous ramifications vis-a-vis the population. Is that a fair thing to say? Uh, maybe Johnny, then I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. Yeah. Well, so I, I think there are two different stories. Firstly, the state of Israel has had a very much an up and down approach to taking a strict and not so strict approach in the early years of the state uh, with the rulings of people like Rav Uziel and some years later with Rav Gorin a very strong push was made that the bar should be set lower and that the atmosphere of Israel and the Jewish provisions would supplement a less rigorous program. There's been a significant kickback for far, for a very, very broad range of reasons, far, far longer than we're necessarily going to be able to cover now. Outside of Israel, where you don't have that, there's generally always been at least a bar, and that bar has heightened for a variety of reasons. In the UK, not only do we have a centralized body, but the London Betdin really raised their bar very, very high under the jurisdiction of Dina Bramsky, um, which would mean that those who undergo that conversion very much spend many, many years 
in that process, but it comes with casualties. That means numerous people who are fine people who don't meet that criteria, whichever way, in the end, walk away. And in terms of denominationalism, um, Louis Jacobs started really the Masorti movement in the UK in response to that heightened uh, standardization of Giul there in the UK. So there, there are basically pros and cons. Obviously, this is all presuming that Aguerre meets and this is, I'm going to use a deliberately ambiguous term, the standards of halakha for giur. And that's really where there's so much debate around that. And that's been interpreted differently in different times in different places. Some people have argued that's had a political slant. Other people have argued it's just a general move towards stricture. But there's been, obviously, pros and cons in terms of the journey of the ger or gerim in each particular country. Uh, take me back to 30%. Let's go back to the 30%. Wait, let, you let said, me just, you, you um, quoted that number. Let, let me just frame it maybe in, in a way. You know, in Chutzlaretz, we don't have an interest in, in accepting converts. Meaning, it, like, what, you know, if anything, like, it could only harm us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like, but if you can prove yourself and you're on the level and you integrate into our community, then like, um, Baruch Haba. Although, but, I, but, wait, that's not 100% true because... Because of the high rate of intermarriage, um, also in Chutzlarts, you have a, a, perhaps a sociological push to say, not everybody would say it that way. Right. I understand what you're saying. What you're saying is, and I think you're right, that like if you ask your average, you know, um, from person, oh, does Judaism encourage conversion? They'll say, oh, no, Judaism does not encourage conversion, right? That's always been the line, I think, that people were taught um, in, you know, and I think that it is connected to the many years of Gola, but I think that's kind of where you want uh, to It's also, it. it's deeply rooted in halakha. It's deeply rooted uh, in Jewish it, it, it is, but I just want to, meaning, I, what I mean is as follows, meaning, um, and, and what's, what's the price? And there is politics here, meaning if I all of a sudden like embrace converts, especially due to intermarriage, and, and there's a long history in the halakha, and Gemara Masechet Yevamot about this, am I actually encouraging intermarriage? You know what I'm saying? If I, the more I welcome them in, then am I really saying, okay, Sababa, so go find a non-Jewish spouse, but I'll convert them, and, right, so like... And, I, and think, uh, I think modern uh, American sociology would indicate uh, affirmatively. I, exactly, exactly, where, where other movements at a certain point decided that they're going to combat intermarriage differently by opening the gates, and but that, that's a very common American uh, ph- philosophy. By the way, I should note that not all Orthodox communities accepted that. In the Sephardic world, overall, it was the opposite, meaning where their attitude was, uh, you know, there was intermarriage. People, we don't really talk about it much, but there was very high rates of intermarriage in certain areas of the Sephardic world. And uh, their attitude was, if I can embrace the couple and bring them in uh, to the community, then, 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 then yalla, convert the spouse and the children, etc. The state of Israel, this is what I want to speak about, it's an orientation, meaning it's my orientation as someone engaged in, in, in Giyor of the Rabbanut, that it's in your interest as a convert, it's in my interest as a citizen of the state in Israel, it's in the halacha's interest that you convert, because I don't really want 5.8% of my population to be not Jewish. So if the halacha permits it, do you know what I'm saying, and, and, it, and, and can I, do you know what I'm saying, and you want to be Jewish, I'm not picking people off of the street, do you know what I'm saying, then, then is. So that's part of the issue. Like, is it Beitin's interest to uh, to encourage a convert? It's not called proselytizing. It's 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 helping. You know, giving that that hand. I, I would ask it a different way. First of all, are sociological considerations something that Beitin should take into account? I'll say there's a, there's a long history of it. Political, geopolitical. That's one question. 
And my other question to you as a Dayan, and we've had this discussion before, is the, is the question of the spiritual implications. And if you read through the Rambam, and the Shulchan Aruch basically cop, you know, like copies the Rambam verbatim, the thing you have to say to the Ger is, yesterday if you were mechalel Shabbat, or violated the Shabbat, or you ate chelev, or you did whatever, right? no, no big deal, it's fine. But tomorrow, if you do these things, there are severe spiritual consequences that you will accrue, that you will suffer for, that you will be terrible for you in the long term. 100 percent. It's, it's so, a very it's a very weighty issue. So, the other so then hand, say the, to this person who's coming to you, do you really believe that they have the same spiritual considerations and beliefs that you do when, you know, like, A, do you say that to them? And B, like, let's say you do. Do you believe they're equipped to make that kind of calculation in the way that you believe it? Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I do. Listen, uh, the expectation from a, a convert is not to be have the same um, level of spiritual sensitivity as a 50-year-old Orthodox rabbi. Do you know what I'm saying? Like at a certain point, you know, what, what I believe, that I can't hold them by my standards. You know what I'm saying? I want them to be aware of these things, and we talk about these issues. On the other hand, you know, there's a price, meaning you have to remember when you push someone away in the state of Israel, they're just going to marry, um, they're going to marry a Jewish person. You know what I'm saying? And then there you're causing that other person to be engaged in, in an intermarriage, and you're causing that person's children possibly to be not Jewish. Now, you should know, it's not that, you know, it, this issue only came up in recent years, meaning the post-game of, let's say, the late 19th century in Eastern Europe, and certainly in the Sephardic, they, they took that very seriously. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, to what extent, it's not that, to what extent, um, you know, what if I don't convert them, they'll, they'll go to the reform movement, they'll, they'll leave the, the community. The, these are issues that, that there's a rich history uh, about them. So if we come just very quickly back to the Rabbanut, so there is a sense that there are certainly Dayanim that they're just not interested uh, fully in, in converting. And, and one of the lines of this Chaver uh, Knesset last week, I, I always forget how to pronounce that name, P Pindrus, I'm sorry that I just... Uh, Pindrus, Pindrus, so, yeah. So everyone focused on the, the Shiksa line, right? But people forgot that earlier in, in his, you know, when he was speaking, he basically said, I don't want converts. I don't want converts Bekerem Yisrael. Do you know what I'm saying? He fundamentally doesn't believe in it. Um, and, and that that's... Yeah, the, he's taking a Shulchan Aruch line, I don't think I don't think that's a Shulchan Aruch line. The Shulchan Aruch doesn't say we don't believe in, in conversion. Shulchan Aruch says, you know, someone comes and asks to be a convert, so you, you talk to them about mixas mitzvos kalos and mitzvos mitzvos. We don't tell them if they know Buri Nefashos by heart. You know what I'm saying? Right. You do yeah. a little bit of the mitzvos, a little bit of the kalos. I'm not saying that I believe in a rigorous, you know, but that's certainly not what the Shulchan Aruch talks about. Although uh, one could argue that in the era of the Shulchan Aruch, if you accepted to be part of the Jewish people, People, you, of course, you wouldn't do everything perfectly, but you inherently accepted to accept a Jewish lifestyle. And Jewish lifestyle, both culturally and sociologically, included Shmirat mitzvot broadly. Broadly. I, I agree broadly. with that. I don't disagree with that. And, which is something that is completely untrue today. Yes, but I would also say that you could also argue that once we have a commonwealth here, the third Jewish commonwealth, um, and again, I'm not, you guys can discuss the halachic ramifications of this, but is there a place to say that given a certain baseline of, as, as, as David said, commitment to traditional behavior, right? Isn't that also in our interest? And isn't that something that we want is to embrace people who are interested in being part of the Jewish enterprise? They, they want to be part of the Jewish enterprise. They're willing to commit to being a certain degree of being part of the Jewish enterprise. 
shouldn't we want to embrace them as well for their sake and for our sake? And by the way, as, as Shadi pointed out, this was the approach of the Rabbanim Rashim, whether it be Rav Uziel, whether it be Rav, uh, Rav uh, uh, much later Rav Yosef, Rav Gorin certainly. Rav Untermann wrote essays in the 1970s mm-hmm. when there was a, a wave of Aliyah from Russia. And he said when he was in England, he never converted people. He was against it because he felt it was bad right. for the Jewish people. But he felt that now that he's in Israel in the 1970s, you have an obligation. doesn't mean you have an obligation. We're not talking about la- laundering goyim. You know what I'm saying? I don't believe in that. You know what I'm saying? We're like you stick them in the, in the machine, in the mikvah, and they come out Jews. You know what I'm saying? We're, nobody's talking about that. Certainly, I, I don't believe in that. But if people are, 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 are able to reach a, a level of, of observance that uh, is halachically sufficient for conversion, and by the way, I'll just note, obviously, I think one has to take into account that the, the Gemara says explicitly, halacha kulam gerim heim, and that's something which this Chavar Knesset, for some reason, you know, is not familiar with, the Gemara Mesechet Yuvamos. Um, you know, when you take all that into account... Wait, that, explain yeah, that line, the, please. It's a very important the, the line. Gemara, the Gemara talks about that if a person converts for all different motives, for l'shem ishus, l'shem, right, all different ulterior motives, the, right, the Gemara says, still, you're, you're not supposed to do it. Again, later we've shown him already, you know, backtrack, push back against that. Halacha kulam gerim heim. So once they're converted... Once they're, they're converted by a recognized beitin, by a legitimate beitin, uh, by, by, by three people in Caracas, by... by I'm serious. These are, this is the real, all, these are realities. You're, reality. you're, you're asking a good question. I, I agree with you. Um, but uh, let, let's, let's talk, you know, just realistically by three, you know, Orthodox rabbis of good standing. How's that? Okay. Okay. okay fine. <laughs> I, I want to add yeah. another point, by the way, which is a concept that I really didn't know about until David started working in, in, um, in, in Giyur, which is the idea of Zera Yisrael, right? Which is the idea that you have people here who are, who have Jewish, they're connected to Jewish, um, they're, they're from Jewish lineage, right? They have Jewish family. And so the idea of bringing people back into the Jewish fold to, again, to me, I find that to be, again, assuming that you have a rabbinic um, baiting of good standing, assuming you have people who want to convert for, um, you know, whatever you want to call them, appropriate, sincere reasons. The idea of returning Zerah Yisrael, people who, are, who, are, who, who were originally Jewish, back into the Jewish fold, to me is profoundly moving. And I think, uh, again, you know, the, the part of the enterprise of, of the return to the land is, is it, it kind of enhances that. I, it, it's part to me of the larger Jewish enterprise. And again, I don't mean to say that like, yes, let's like, you know, actively go reach and find people. I'm saying if people come to you and they are um, serious, committed, sincere, and again, you, you have a halakhically legitimate way to convert them, then I think that there, there's something profoundly Again, moving and inspiring about doing that, also from that perspective. David, uh, Johnny, sorry, Johnny. Johnny, go ahead. I mean, I'm just going to briefly respond to what Marnie said. Um, And I think that tension between the romanticism of the journey of a convert, which moves us, and we read Gilat Rut, and and it really touches our heart, but also then there's legal boundaries uh, and required practices. And there is, I mentioned previously about inherent tensions, there is a tension between the way we'd like things to look and the way things things do look and what things appear to look like and what is the reality, you know. Uh, and there was a whole big discussion in the 90s and, and since then 
about the status of these hundreds of thousands of non-Halachic citizens, a Jew, Jewish citizens of the state of Israel. And there were suggestions of mass conversion. Um, but not that many of those necessarily want that enough right. to meet no, the so minimum criteria of even the most liberal of Bate Din. Yeah. And unfortunately, the most liberal of Bate Din have been strongly attacked over the past 30 years. So even if they did, I'm not quite sure whether we'd be doing people favors. So I just want to point out, I, I know it's a very beautiful idea, but that but, okay, beauty so doesn't I, I necessarily dispel the requirement of Shmerat Mitzvot. I was actually going to ask, I was going to ask Johnny to talk about your, about uh, the idea of Zer Israel also. Okay, I just want to say is that thing. Is that a real thing or is that something made up? I don't even know, but, but but my point is I probably shouldn't say that. Okay, but <laughs> I'll let, it That's is pretty important. important. <laughs> it is pretty important. But my 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 point is actually that I agree with Johnny. Um, and I think that's why it's important that we're having this conversation, because I think that what we would want to be doing, and, and I guess I'll bring this back to like, why on our podcast, why why RZ Weekly? Um, it, what, what If we want to be able to do, to, to find that tension and to navigate it well, right, then what we ought to be doing is investing time and energy in creating bate din of people who are themselves, have the halakhic integrity, know the halakha well enough um, to be able to, convert properly and also have the halakhic integrity to be able to figure out, as Johnny said, who reaches the bar of sincerity. And again, knowing from a halakhic perspective and from a compassionate perspective, who should be converted and who shouldn't be converted. And again, I don't think David's going to say this, but I, I happen to think that the work that Yorka Halakha is doing this very well. And I think that one of the, one of the tensions is how do we make sure that that happens in this country? Right? How do we make sure that we have a mechanism that works well for the right? That meaning it's in everybody's interest to make sure that there are mechanisms that are going to work well so that we can find the people who should be converting and convert them properly and, and not be doing, you know, as, as Johnny said, um, you know, things that should not be that we should not be doing. Okay, so David, let's come, I come back to David. So as you said, so I, you said, you know, ideally I could go to Nativ if I could pass through it, that'd be best for, for me because I'm recognized, it's official, it's official and halachic, everything, shalom, Israel. So are the am I not doing this because I've heard bad things about the Rabbanun? I don't even want to try. I tried and I washed out. Why am I, so then why, why am I looking for other options? I'm going to go to Rob Korolitz or go to Rob Rosen or, or come to Gear Calais. First of all, why you know, I, sometimes I feel like, you know, we're surprised when people express their desire to be Jewish. So I think that it's funny that we, as you know, teachers of, of Torah, like are so surprised. People they want to be Jewish. They they view themselves as Jewish. They want to strengthen their commitment. No, 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 no. I'm saying, but I'll go to the, I'll go to Nativ. Great. But why am I coming to? So why, why am I going to Nativ? Nativ is. No. Uh, why aren't they going? To? Why aren't they going to Nativ? So so for various reasons, um, it's not fitting all populations. And and I'll give uh, just a couple more examples. One of them is children. Um, there is a debate regarding the conversion of children. Children do not have what we call dat, and therefore there's no real kabbalat mitzvot. You can't say to a child, you accept upon yourself to perform the mitzvot because um, they might be six months old. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And therefore, now, a conversion of, a, of children, as the Gabar Masecha Ketubot says, is al dat beitin. And it's a zuchut, and therefore beitin is willing to do it because it's in the best interest of the child. And the question is, meaning, um, to what extent, uh, meaning, for example, what if the child is being raised in a home which is less than fully observant. 
where this is a debate already that you know goes back to the mm-hmm. 19th century, where some Batidin will say, listen, if the child is not being raised in a family that's fully 100% Shomer Mitzvot, then uh, we, we're not going to convert the child. I just want to, all right, that's one. Uh, another approach, which... Feel free to interrupt the, yourself. I mean, by the way, by the way, another approach, which already we see from, like, let's say, Rav Chaim Ozer Grzynski and other postgame, and Rav Moshe Feinstein discussed this, and more recently, Rav Nachum Ravinovich sort of, you know, um, really expressed this very strongly, and that led, one of the things that led to the, to the founding of Gir Kalacha was that, that raising a child in the state of Israel um, to a traditional family that commits to give, you know, some type of traditional, you know, Jewish upbringing to the child. That's a zuchus. Now, the Rabbanut won't even look at these children. I want to be very clear what that means. The Rabbanut has closed down their, like, section of, like, conversion of children. And if you are not a fully observant 100% Shomer Torah Mitzvot, then, then there's no adopting children, and there's no surrogacy, and, 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 and not to mention... All it, of these things which are happening at all the time. Meaning that's there's no conversion there. Do you know what I'm saying? No, but I'm saying these things are happening whether the uh, there's a lot wants of conversion. There's a lot of surrogacy. I see it all the time. The surrogacy, well, adoption, you uh, adoption and surrogacy, and not to mention, you know, so, I mean, the rabbinu is saying we're just going to put our heads in the we're going to put our hand in the sand. It's not our problem. We're not going to deal with it. Well, listen, the rabbinu regarding children will say that I, I adopt a stricter approach. You know what I'm saying? But but the bottom line is that they're not performing the conversions on children. So that's sort of what one issue. When you're talking about adults, the issue is whether the conversion uh, path that the Rabbanut, this native, is offering, is is realistic, is 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 fit for for adults. And there there are a number of adults that it's not fit for. It's too demanding. Um, they're, they're you know um, sometimes the bureaucracy is overwhelming. Sometimes it's too long. Uh, sometimes, you know, the people get rejected once or twice because the Dayan says, oh, you didn't know, you know, Borei Nefashot, Lech Tit You know what I'm saying? Go, go spend That's another few months and, and become firmer. Wouldn't that be great if that we could say that to our kids and students? Lech Tit Come back in a few months when you're firmer. Um, at a certain point, people give up, um, but their passion to be Jewish, some of them lose it because they, they see the path is over. And some of them say, I want to, you know, pursue other, uh, uh, other avenues. Um, so that's, you know, uh, listen, I, I don't believe, unfortunately, among these 400,000, there's no solution. I don't think anybody should. Well, yeah, so that's what I wanted to get to. How many people are converting in uh, halachic batei din that are not recognized, not part of the chief well, rabbinate Well, let me start with the, with, the, with the rabbinut. The rabbinut, you're talking about twenty about 2,500 a year between the army and the civilian track. 2,500, that doesn't even, that, that won't even cover, you know, birth rate. You know, the new new non-Jews being born each year. Let me put it this way. There are more non-Jews coming off the plane from Eastern uh, Europe uh, per week, <laughs> corona aside, than, uh, than the conversions. It's like, you know, they used to say, like, standing in a river and, and taking a little teaspoon and hoping that you're you're stopping the flow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay. And then Giyorka Halacha and all the other unorthodox... I, I don't I don't know the numbers of the Rav Karelitz and the, and the other... Um, but I'm, I'm going to assume you're talking about uh, an, another couple thousand a year among all of them. Um, including Gir Kahalacha. Including Gir Kahalacha. Small numbers, rising numbers, but small numbers. I, I view it, like I said, my personal line. Then, then I really want to say a word about the Supreme Court because I think that that's, you know, some of the listeners, you know, had wanted to know well, what's with the whole Supreme Court thing. So maybe, maybe we'll then quickly, you know, fill in what's going on over there. Um, I personally, you know, don't view what I'm doing, what others are doing. As, as, as solving the problem. The pro- the, it's not solved. I don't even know if we should call people a problem, but whatever the mitzvah is, it's not being solved. But I think that there's a need 
know what I'm saying? And as Orthodox teachers and rabbis, we're all sitting in this virtual room, and we view a responsibility. You were a shul rabbi, and I often like to say that when a congregate would come to you with a problem, um, you didn't fall asleep at night until you could figure out a way to solve this person's problem. And sometimes maybe you don't have a solution. That's also a, an answer, but, but, but you work very hard. And the question is... Right, are, but I'm, I'm saying that when, when things like this come up, when conversions come up, and recognizing Kirukar Lachar or not, people speak very bombastically about, we have to worry about the Jewish future of the state of Israel. And it just seems obvious to me that I understand why they're saying this, because they, either they need fundraising or they need to push political points or what have you. But the bottom line is, with all of these conversion courts put together, it's like you said, it's like a teaspoon in a river. It really makes no difference. I mean, it makes a difference in the lives of the individuals. But when you come to the demographic or political or sociological issue, none of these things really matter. It, it makes a small impact on the demographics. A, a Diane like Rav Bas will say the more women we convert, then, you know, the, the, <laughs> broadly speaking, you know what I'm saying, then you, you lower the amount of real halakhically non-Jews. But you're right. You're not really solving the, the problem. I agree with you 100%. But maybe that's healthier. That maybe maybe that means that the conversions are, are taken more seriously on a one-to-one -one basis and really looking at the convert as opposed. But to then that would just mean to me that a dion should not take the sociology into consideration per se, on a on a, on a macro level. Maybe on a micro level, yes. On that individual person, their okay, children are they're okay. going to be married. I would say you know as a rev of Tzohar, right? You might have said the same thing about Rabbanu Sohar marriages 15 years ago, 20 years ago, right? Tipabayam, it's just a little, it's, you know, drop in the in the bucket. Why bother, right? And the two answers, I think, are, right, you know, the famous story of the little kid on the ocean. This is a little kitschy, but the kid is walking in the ocean, and there's thousands of starfish that have swept up on the shore. And they're picking up starfish, and they're throwing them in the ocean. And somebody comes over and says, what are you doing? There's no way you're going to get to all these starfish. So, like, why are you even bothering? And his answer is, well, it matters to this starfish. And he throws it in, and it matters to this starfish, right? So, like, that's actually important. But I also think... Well, undoubtedly, that, I, I agree, 100%. Right, so I'm not minimizing one, right? the work is, that David is doing in any beings, way. Right? We, are, we are talking about people... Who, for whom this really matters, right? They, these are people who really want to be Jewish, and it and um, you're you're enabling them to. It's, it's very. It, it, it actually it do, is very meaningful on an individual level. And the second thing I, I would say is, the more you have organizations like you're saying, there's such a big problem. We're not solving it, and the Rabbanut is not solving it, and there's bureaucracy. And there's a problem. Correct. But that's as I said before. If people come forward and start to create good solutions, even if they start small, right, eventually those solutions will have an impact on the larger system, which is why, in general, I'm a capitalist, a compassionate capitalist, rather than a socialist. Because if you just have a bureaucracy, right, and they're the only ones in town, there's no push to change. If you end up opening up the doors and having multiple options, what ends up happening is that all the systems get better. Right, because suddenly there's competition, and suddenly there's pressure, and suddenly there are other avenues, and so Again, as you're saying, maybe now, but but you know Johnny always talks on our. No, podcast. but we don't want Molly. We never want to get to a point where we're mass converting all these. No, people. I'm okay. But Most of them don't want there, to convert. But there's a. Right. There's is that correct? That's correct, David. Most of them don't even want to convert. Correct. But, not? but there's a, but there's a, but there's a point between we don't want to convert all these people and the numbers that that are that you know are we meeting the needs of the people who actually are good candidates and that we can convert. And, and I just, I'll end with this and then you know, we can go back to what you were just going to ask, which is Johnny can always, almost every week, Johnny says, right, are we actively doing something to help the Jewish people? 
right? We complain, we talk about the problems, but what are we doing as individuals to help the Jewish people? And so I think the question of, well, how effective is this, is this going to be, right? I think about that often when I'm teaching, right? I teach, I don't know how many students a year. What am I really doing in the big picture, right? But we believe that we, we don't think about things that way. We think about, am I doing something meaningful right now? And the hope is, if I'm doing something meaningful right now, um, Bezrat Hashem, that will actually have a long-range impact because things do have ripple effects. And also, I do what I think is correct, and I leave the sociology up to, up to God. You know what I'm saying? Like, I do what I think is right, and then we see, like, where that develops. But my, 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 my position shouldn't be, well, this is not going to help anyway, so forget it. I, I, by the way, I didn't, I, I didn't say that. I said people claiming in the public sphere that this is important because of the demographics of Israel those are bombastic claims. I'm not saying that we shouldn't help each individual person. No, no, I, of course. Yes. Johnny. So just three quick things. Number one is, while I, I, I encourage and I support all the great work that many good people are doing, admittedly over the last 30 years there are tremendous amounts of mistakes. And actually if those mistakes hadn't been done, the numbers would be different and the problems would be different. And there were systemic failures and a few solutions have been uh, brought about which are now able to make a small difference to obviously the lives of many people um, which we are delighted about. That's point number one. Point number two, you know, here we're talking about demographics. Well, you know, demographics works the other way as well. It's called a tipping point. Uh, so I live a few minutes away from a, a very traditional town called Kiryat Gat, which has a large, uh, you know, general uh, Sephardic mostly uh, community population, uh, a fairly large uh, Ethiopian population, a fairly large population of people who've come from the former USSR. And let's say 20 years ago, you would not be able to find non-kosher meat in a place like Kiryat That doesn't mean everybody keeps kosher, but it means that there wouldn't be enough of a demand for non-kosher meat to be sold. But that's just not the case anymore. And the larger the demographic of people who are not halakhic Jewish and not interested in being so, the more the availability of things like non-kosher food and the way that then changed the landscape. So the argument that being in Israel will basically maintain your Jewishness is highly questionable. And I'll say one yeah, further. Johnny, that's an argument for not bringing people in. Once they're here, what are you going to do with them? Once it, I think we need to do more. I mean, that's a short answer. Right. And number three is, um, you know, outside of Israel, most shuls have rabbis, some, some many. In Israel, 50% of shuls don't have rabbis. Of the rest, most of them are part-time. So even when you do convert somebody, we presume, oh, well, they're going to be maintained. But that's just not true. Most people do not have a go-to uh, rabbi. I mean, that's why I'm doing some of the work I'm doing. It's kind of this virtual rabbi to try and, you know, uh, meet the gap, which is unfortunately huge. And that's a really important um, point. What happens to the convert after? And there so, is no post so outside of Israel, they'd be part of a community and they'd be supported. And they would grow or maintain things. Inside of Israel, obviously, if you move to a certain neighborhood, you can grow and there's availability of kosher food everywhere, even if there are other options too. But it's also possible that many people plummet because they don't have that kind of coaching and guidance that you generally get from membership of a community because there that's a community being led, whereas here it's just a community you happen to pray in in the same building. So now I'm not trying to be a pessimist, God forbid, um, but I've, I've st certainly studied a lot about both Hilchokio and the general trends. And it, it's important to note that good on everybody who's working hard. There is a lot more work to be done. It's a shame that some of the mistakes were made. There are tipping points. 
and you can't change what things are but you can realize that this is a ticking bomb in terms of the landscape of the Jewish communities which prop up the narrative of gear in Israel the way we've told it and certainly that includes the need to give religious guidance to people who may well have already converted but to maintain it isn't a simple thing even in Israel uh in the modern period, you know, Israel Yaladi, now isn't uh, as it was in the 60s and 70s. Rav Sherlow, uh, in response to the Supreme Court ruling, um, this relates very much to the... Oh, religious, this is good. You wanted to come back to the Supreme Court Religious Zionist part. <laughs> so he, he, he wrote, and I think this is very true, meaning the challenge of conversion is not just a challenge to a bunch of rabbis to see if they'll convert people. The etgar the, the is to the entire community, meaning if, if religious Zionist Jews... In the cities, they don't start, you know, knocking on the door of their neighbors, inviting them to their their, their Pesach Seder and Shabbat meals and and uh, and start engaging these people and, and supporting them if they convert before the conversion, after conversion. That's really what we need, meaning and, and, and the work, you know what I'm saying, the Dayanim is, you know, it's wonderful and the Ulpanegi board is wonderful, but we, we need... We need the entire religious community to get on board. But I do want to also add that it is also an element, as far as I understand, you're the Dayan and you work on this, but my understanding is that there, there, is, there is thought given to that question, right? You ask, there, there is, right? There is we, are, we are definitely trying as hard as possible. To, but to it, ask, but there's a limit. The there's a limit. It's interesting, For David, sure. you raised a much larger point. I mean, a really important point that people are not aware of, that I wasn't aware of until I got involved in SAR specifically, that... Jews in Chutzlaaretz, if you grow up as a Jew in Chutzlaaretz, you think about Judaism in a communal sense. Yeah. The first thing you think about is community or communally. Whereas Jews in Israel who are faith not religious, faith, right? they well, relate to their Judaism, especially non-religious Jews, bureaucratically. Let, let me put it uh, a little differently. I recently heard a Dayan say in, in Chutzlaaretz, you're mitgayer into a community. In Israel, you're mitgayer into Am Yisrael. Now, it's a very loaded line with some positives, some negatives, but I'm just going to throw it out there. But with, with, without a doubt, we need the community. And I have a friend who, who's very involved in the, the Rabbanut conversions and teaching them uh, and, and with the soldiers. And he says, like, wonderful, wonderful, 18, 19, 20-year-olds convert, and then they go home to Bat, and they stand in the mikvah. And you have to understand, meaning, like, meaning there are tears. There are tears at the Beit Din, and there are tears at the mikvah. And you know what? I was driving home with Molly today, and yeah. we were, I was on a, a meeting with the, the staff, and we were summarizing some of the recent Batidin. And I think if Molly wasn't so tired from a hard day at work, she would have started crying yes. listening to the stories. I was going to say, one of the things that I found, <laughs> I just happened to be today, I, it was so moving listening to the descriptions of the conversion. So but, what you but, want but to when, like But the, when you the, go home to Bat Yam and there's nothing there for you, then what are the chances? And therefore, the, the challenge is, is really for the community to, 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 to get up and start really taking responsibility. Do we have two minutes to talk about the Supreme Court? Because I feel yeah, bad. Yeah, two that minutes we, and we'll wrap it up. That left Hopefully, okay. people are still with us. Very, very quickly, Supreme Court. If, if a person from Chutz Aretz, okay, I see it all the time, and either they, they want to convert because they're not Jewish or they're not halachically Jewish and they want to make Aliyah, so what do they do? So you can come to Israel and you could apply to be um, part of the Rabbanu, what they call the Harigim. There's a special maslul, special path to convert, not as a, you know, an Isra- to, 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 to convert and to become an Israeli citizen. The Vadat Charigim is extremely problematic. And just to give you an example, Rav Yisrael Rosen, who was head of the Marach Giyor in the state of Israel, was so frustrated by the Vadat Charigim that he founded his own private Beit Din after running the, the Rabbanut Beit Din. 
But that's one path. Right. I, I, the Charigim, that exception, that exception okay. uh, committee is notoriously difficult. Okay. It's so therefore, political. what happens to someone? And I'll just give uh, you like an example. What happens if you're a lovely person? Maybe you, your father is Jewish. Maybe you're not Jewish, and you come to Israel and you you want to volunteer. You're volunteering on a kibbutz and whatever. You fall in love with the state, and, and and yes, maybe you fall in love with an Israeli, and you want to stay here, and you even are attracted to the religion, and you become uh, somewhat observant. And, and what are your options? You can never become a citizen. So either you could do the rabbanut maslul, good luck. Do you know what I'm saying? Some some will will succeed. Or, or you're stuck and you'll be kicked out of the country, okay? So what, what are your options? You can go back to Chutzlaritz to convert in the conservative reform movement. You can go back to Chutzlaritz and, and convert in the orthodox movement. Um, that's what they recommend now, isn't it? That's usually what they recommend. Uh, I know, but I, you, I want you to understand what that means. You're saying to someone, you have well, to... Well, we leave. say the same people to get married. They say go to Cyprus to get married. You know, it's crazy. I agree it's crazy. I agree, but so, the Cyprus is a 24-hour round trip. To go back to Chutzlaritz to convert is years because there's a legal requirement. You have to be in a community for a certain amount of time in order to come back and make Aliyah. You cannot go and just... O- only in the Orthodox community. The conservative and reform, they, they'll, you know, they have a mix with different... not necessarily too. true for Aliyah. You have to prove that you're part of a, a Jewish community. Right. Now, what happened, I'll bring very quickly back to the Supreme Court. We mentioned that you have the Rabbanut Maslul. I mentioned that at a certain point, Basically, historically, what happened was that reform conversions is a reform program in the state of Israel. They knew that their conversions weren't recognized, so they said to their people who were studying in their program, you're with us for like a year studying, but the Beit Din, I'm going to fly you to Chutzlaretz, do a Beit Din there, come back, and you'll be recognized. And the Supreme Court recognized that. The next step was that Orthodox Bati Din were recognized, but as I, as I mentioned in practice, as I mentioned before, only the Beit Din of Karelitz has really been approved. Other Orthodox Beit Din have not. Outside, no, within the state of Israel. Within the state of Israel. Outside of the Rabbanut. Outside the Lemaisa. So let's bring it down. Who, who, who are these people? What are we talking about with the Supreme Court ruling? Who, who's being converted? Okay, so there are two types of people. One type of people is an Israeli, goes off after the army, and he goes off on a, on a tiul, and he goes to the Far East, and he comes back with a with a non-Jewish girl or non-Jewish boyfriend, usually a girlfriend, and they settle here. She becomes a permanent resident in Aleph Chamesh, that they call, and maybe he's Sephardi, maybe they're very traditional, maybe the house is kosher, maybe they, whatever it is, she'll become a citizen automatically within a certain amount of time. However, now, according to the Supreme Court, although it hasn't really happened, but theoretically, if she does a conversion through the reform movement, her citizenship will be, you know, it'll be... Automatically recognized. Automatically. Now, I spoke to someone today both reform movement and conservative movement are considering expanding their conversions. No, not to foreign workers, not to Sudanese, and not to people like that, but to, you know... You should just know that, of course, is the, that is the political ads being promoted by... Promoted You're 100% by the right. Groups. They committed to the Supreme Court that they weren't going to do it, obviously. But nothing is stopping them from doing it. You're 100%, You're 100% right. They're considering at this point um, doing conversions of, like the case I said, like the volunteer who comes and... And they're here for a whole year, and they want to stay in Israel. What about the Eritrean Eritrean refugee? Generally, my impression is that they uh, they're they're not they're not converting them. Um, I'll mention as an aside, it's a whole different discussion that there is a percentage of these Eritreans, etc., that 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 have a permanent status, and they're never ever going to be kicked out of the state of Israel. And they've actually been edu- I've met people like this. They, they, they sent them to Kfar Noars that are Dati. And they were educated here. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And sure. Anyway, I want to, it's a whole different issue. All right, we gotta we gotta wrap it okay. up. We gotta wrap it up. So you have a, you have a, it, I, I wanna I want I think this is a conversation that has gone on quite a long time. 
needs to continue to go along. I, we thought it was important to discuss, just to bring Rabbi Borofsky on, to talk about the facts of gear on the ground. I, I have so much respect for the work that you do. I, you know, it's, it's, it's challenging and difficult and ethically difficult and sometimes, uh, and, and, you know, uh, not, not easy to do in general. And I give you a lot, of, a lot of credit for taking that on because there are not so many people that are, on the one hand, halakhically qualified to take it on and also willing to take it on. I'm sure it's very, those are very few and far between. So I give you a lot of credit for doing that. And I want to thank you for giving us the time to our, our uh, listeners around the world to share with them your knowledge and your erudition. And I would only mention that, you know, should a community person living somewhere around the world, once Corona ends, want to invite you to come as a Scarlet residence, would you be willing to travel? <laughs> People are always, willing, always welcome to reach out to me. Okay. All right. I want to thank uh, Rabbi Johnny uh, Solomon and Rabbi Mali Brofsky for sharing with us her husband, Rabbi David Brofsky. I am Ruben Spolter. Uh, we're way, way over time, so I guess we'll have to wrap it up here. I know Molly wanted to make a hamletza about some video about making Marco, but maybe not at the time. And uh, have a good week, everybody. Pleasure, pleasure.